Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Rachel Zoe here, and we're going back to the Rachel Zoe Project for a very special takeover on my podcast, Climbing in Heels. Come with me as I take you back to season one to give you all the behind the scenes details and drama. I'll be joined by some special guests that'll be helping me share the real stories behind the most iconic moments in the show. So do not miss this special takeover of Climbing in Heels. It's going to be bananas. Listen to Climbing in Heels with Rachel Zoe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Art of the Hustle is a production of iHeartRadio. You're listening to The Art of the Hustle, the show that breaks down how some of the world's most fascinating people have hustled and learned the way into achieving great things. I'm your host, Jeff Rosenthal, co-founder of Summit. In today's episode, I'm very excited to chat with my friend, Haben Gurma. Haben's a disability rights attorney and activist, author, and the first deafblind graduate of Harvard Law School. I'm always really excited to talk to Haben because she has an incredible spirit, story, and perspective. And you'll notice a few unique things about the way this interview is recorded because Haben uses a machine that transmits from a keyboard to her braille machine, which allows her to hear my questions and respond in real time. You'll hear typing sounds in the background of this episode. She always surprises me, challenges me, and you'll have to listen for how she talks about the theme of overcoming adversity. I'm always shocked by how casual she is about her exceptional perseverance and the life of purpose-driven action she's led. So please enjoy my discussion with Haben Gurma. Well, I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. I imagine quarantining deafblind has its own unique effect I read the article you contributed to on how you know important and impactful touch is to you. Is that something that you're super mindful of right now? I have spent a lot of time getting my home as accessible as possible. That's not something new to the pandemic. It's something I've worked on for years. After traveling, after working, I want to be able to come home to a place where I feel safe. And part of feeling safe and secure is knowing exactly where the tea is, being able to turn on the washing machine or microwave or stove independently. And there are little things blind people can do to make spaces more accessible, like tactile stickers you can put over buttons 
so that you can immediately feel where the start button is, where the number five is, and that orients you to all the other buttons. Then you can have coffee machines that have tactile labels instead of just touch screens. Or if you do get a touch screen, you can get the kind that will work with voiceover, a screen reader that reads out loud or outputs to a braille computer. So there are things blind and deafblind people do to make their homes accessible. So I think for those of us who are blessed to have homes, staying in our homes is not really the hard part. The hard part is having to physically isolate from other people. I've worked really hard to connect with people. I wrote a memoir where I talked about how I've come up with strategies over the years from when I was in middle school all the way up to Harvard Law School to come up with techniques to have access and inclusion. Well, that's really amazing. And, you know, that 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 for some of our listeners that aren't familiar with your story, you have an incredible story. You were the first deafblind woman to graduate Harvard Law. You know, you are a trailblazer for people with disabilities. You're an awesome dancer and a surfer and a climber. I know you don't like the word inspirational, but to me, you're you know, you really do inspire me. Jeff, you just called me inspiring. So I'm asking, what are you inspired to do? What has my story inspired you to do? Well, you personally inspire me to get the most out of life, uh, to, you know, constantly explore and to experience things firsthand. You know, you, you know, have interests and you go and you make sure that you, you go and you experience them. You actually go and you're, you know, you climb, you go and you experience surfing. You don't, you know, sit back and simulate the experience like many of us do without disabilities or with disabilities. You just, you know, you explore and dream and discover at the highest level and it leaves us no excuse. I share a lot of my experiences on social media. I'll post photos and videos of myself dancing or walking with my guide dog. And I do that to help encourage people to keep exploring. Get out of your home at this time. Stay about six feet away from people and stay within your neighborhood. But be curious. Learn and explore as much as you can about the world around you with the tools and abilities you do have. You know, did you have a moment where you learn these things? Because you speak in such a, an authoritative manner. Like, you know these things. You know that the, the self-confidence lessons that you've learned. You know, you know the advice that you just gave. It comes from a place, it seems like, of absolutists. Uh, like, you know, an absolute place for you. What, was there a life moment? Did this form over time? There are so many layers to your question. There's the surface layer about speaking and sounding confident. Then there, there are the lower, deeper layers of how did you gain this wisdom? And I will start with the first layer. All of us are judged by how we speak. I'm extremely aware of that as a deaf person. Lots of deaf people have slight or, or significant deaf accents. 
And I've seen many friends being dismissed because of how they sound. It's not fair. It's awful. I want a country where everyone is respected, regardless of whether they have an accent, whether they speak or sign or type. That would be an inclusive community, but we're not there yet. So I took theater classes when I was in high school and continued in college so I could get better at communicating a message. Then later, I was selected by the Obama White House to be a champion of change and continue advocating on behalf of education for people with disabilities. I took private voice lessons to get better at delivering a message. My instructor is Penny Kreitzer, and one of the lessons she taught me is when you're going to say something, continue all the way to the end of the sentence. A lot of people start an idea, stop, switch gears mid-sentence, and that's where you hear a lot of the um, ah, uh, and pauses that make someone sound uncertain. Until you just called it out, a luxury I didn't realize I had. <laughs> Everyone's learning every day. Well, Haben, will you give us a little bit of your backstory? I was born and raised in Oakland, California. My parents are from Eritrea and Ethiopia, two countries in Eastern Africa. They came here as refugees, and I grew up hearing their stories of how difficult it is to start over without having any family in an area and having to learn a new system, getting better at a language, all of those struggles. I grew up here in the Bay Area, but mostly as the only deafblind person in various environments, at schools, at community events, and it was frustrating to feel isolated. People didn't know how to communicate or connect with me. So I missed out on a lot of information. And last year I wrote a book. It's called Habit, the Deafblind Woman Who Conquered Harvard Law. And in that book, I capture a lot of the early experiences of how I came up with solutions to deal with the isolation so I could connect with people. One of the tools I came up with is pairing a braille computer to a QWERTY keyboard. People type on the keyboard, I read their words in braille with my fingers in braille. No one told me I could do this. I just kept searching and thinking, how can I use the tools I have to maximize my ability to connect with people? One of my strengths is my sense of touch. So I was looking at tools that rely on a sense of touch. In 2010, a tech company called Humanware released a new Braille computer that had Bluetooth. And that gave me the idea of connecting that Braille computer with a Bluetooth keyboard. Then after that, I had much more access to information. It took time. I was starting at Harvard Law School at the time. And I thought, who's gonna wanna type to me through a keyboard? 
People are going to think this is weird. This is not how lawyers are supposed to communicate. I had to overcome that fear, social stories of how lawyers should behave or communicate and define for myself what kind of lawyer I am and how I'm going to communicate. And I found people who were thrilled and happy to connect with the abilities and communication tools we both had. And are you just a voracious learner? Are you just an exceptional, like, do you just have an exceptional appetite for reading and learning? How did you educate yourself to even know the like standards that you were flying in the face of as a Harvard Law graduate? I learned to read in elementary school. And once I had access to reading, so many worlds opened up through books. I love reading books. I'm a voracious reader. And I've learned a lot about the world through books. So that's how I learned about expectations for lawyers, depictions of lawyers in books. I've never read a book with a lawyer like me, which was one of the reasons that inspired me to write my memoir so future students would have examples of all the different ways we can advocate for our communities. And was it more difficult for you at Harvard Law just for the course load? Was it was there a factor of difficulty for you to just just sheer hours in the day, like the amount of time it takes for you to to read versus say a, a student with the ability to to read with their eyes? Is this a false assumption or was it, or is this accurate? <laughs> I worked really hard before I was even qualified to go to Harvard Law School. So it wasn't like I came there out of the blue. I worked really hard starting in middle school, got even better at studying in high school, graduated top of my class at high school. Then I went to college and I continued improving my study habits in college. I had full course loads in high school and college. So all of that helped me prepare for law school. And you were practicing attorney for uh, disabilities rights for for quite some time, correct? I sued people. That's right. (laughs) So I graduated from law school in 2013 and went to disability rights advocates in Berkeley, California. They do class action litigation, organizations that violated the Americans with Disabilities Act and other civil rights laws. We brought cases on behalf of people with disabilities And I write about one of those cases in my book. I'm really passionate about reading access. I want blind students and non-students to have access to all the books that sighted people have access to. And I received complaints that a library called Script was not accessible. Script is a digital library and they claimed they were the largest digital library So we asked them in a letter to work with us, our clients, the National Federation of the Blind, to make books accessible to blind readers. They wouldn't respond to our letter. We sent the letter again, asking them to work with us to make their services accessible. They wouldn't respond. Bright and early on my 26th birthday, we sued them. Then they responded. And their attorney said that because Script was a digital service, it didn't have to be accessible under the Americans with Disabilities Act. 
They argued that the ADA only applies to physical places, physical restaurants, physical bookstores, not digital spaces. Which would have been a terrible precedent to set. It would have been terrible. So we disagreed very, very strongly. And I wrote a brief outlining our arguments. It came before the judge. The judge heard both sides, then issued an order holding that the Americans with Disabilities Act does in fact apply to online businesses and online businesses must be accessible. After that, Script reached a settlement agreement with the National Federation of the Blind to make their services accessible to blind readers. That was deeply rewarding to be able to increase reading access for the blind community. I also want to send a message to your audience. Prioritize accessibility. Lawsuits are expensive and time-consuming. It would have saved Script so much time and resources if they'd agreed to make their services accessible from the start rather than spending money and time in litigation. Invest in accessibility. You grow your market so you get more customers. There are over a billion people with disabilities around the world. You also make your services better when they're accessible. Accessibility is good design, so the product is better both for non-disabled people and disabled people. Otherwise, Hobbin's coming for you, so just do it on your own. (laughs) And sometimes I'm not so accommodating. We'll be back with more Art of the Hustle after the break. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hermosi, Layla Hermosi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. 
So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, Rachel Zoe here, and we're going back to the Rachel Zoe Project for a very special takeover on my podcast, Climbing in Heels. Come along with me as I take you back to season one to give you all the behind-the-scenes details and, of course, drama. I'll be joined by some very special guests that'll be helping me break it all down. From award season nightmares to fashion week insanity, you'll get the real stories behind some of the most iconic moments in the show. The Rachel Zoe Project definitely changed my life and career in so many ways. The show definitely captured some of the most amazing moments, but also some of the absolute worst. I made the show for all the fashion lovers out there, and I'm so happy that people still watch it and love it so much. So do not miss this special takeover on Climbing in Heels. It's going to be bananas. Cannot believe I just said that. Listen to Climbing in Heels with Rachel Zoe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I would love for you to help us understand more how we can create more accessibility in our products and companies. Here's an example. Podcasts radio, included transcript so that deaf people can read over the conversation and learn what's being covered in podcasts and radio programs. The benefit to non-disabled people is that more people will find the content through search engine optimization. When your text is available, when your program is available through text, people doing keyword searches will be drawn to your to your podcast. So you reach more people. You also have journalists and people who want to engage with the podcast more deeply. If they can review the transcript, it's easier to pinpoint and use quotes from the podcast. I also encourage people creating videos to provide captions along with transcripts. Facebook did a study and found that videos with captions reach a larger audience. A lot of people these days have videos, audio turned off automatically. And not everyone wants to do the work of turning on the audio. So if the caption is there, people can follow along with the video. And what are you spending your time focused on these days? My book is going to come out this year in paperback form. And I've been gathering questions from readers to help create a reader guide that we're going to put in the next edition of the book. I've also continued advocating for people with disabilities. During the pandemic, we've seen various government agencies consider putting disabled people at the back of the line for treatment at hospitals. And there's this assumption across a lot of hospitals that it's better to be dead than disabled. Ableism is the idea that people with disabilities are inferior to the non-disabled. It's hurtful, it's problematic, and advocates are working to change that. People with disabilities were different. Our whole society benefits from having different perspectives. We don't want a society where everyone is exactly the same. That brings me to a question I had for you on this specifically. You know, you've taught me that just an awareness 
that people tend to have low expectations for those with disabilities. And I know that, you know, that, that can have an effect on the outcomes. If people believe in us, we tend to believe in ourselves more than if we have to find that inspiration from a single source, you know, internally, how, how do you maintain your kindness to those that underestimate you? First and foremost, you must believe in yourself. I grew up in a society that had very low expectations for me from the beginning. And it's easy to internalize that. It's easy to believe society's message that you don't matter. It's harder to build up self-confidence. But if you work at it, it gets easier over time. So I started building up my self-confidence when I was a teenager. It, it was challenging, it was hard, but I continued working on that. Nowadays, if someone doubts me and underestimates me, it doesn't hurt because I know that I'm able to do those things. There are also situations where people deny me opportunities. I've been in situations where I've I traveled a lot before this pandemic as a public speaker. And there were situations where airline staff would ask me to leave a plane or would tell me I couldn't board a plane because I had a dog with me. There are lots of badly behaved, out of control animals out there, but my Milo is not one of them. He's a highly trained service dog. And I explain that to airline staff. Sometimes it takes a while, but eventually all of them have allowed us to travel on the plane. The law is on our side. We have the right to travel. But sometimes people have low expectations of disabled people, low expectations of dogs, or they've had bad experiences with people lying and misrepresenting pets as service dogs. That's actually a huge problem. And I was just working on a letter to the US Department of Transportation regarding upcoming rules for service dogs on planes. You seem to have had an incredible source of self-motivation from a young age throughout your entire journey. Do you get sad? Do you, do you have down days where it feels overwhelming? Everyone does, absolutely. There are times where all the barriers add up and feel overwhelming and I feel stuck. The best way to pull myself out of that is to think about the community. When we have purpose, it's easier to move forward. If we're just focused on ourselves, it's harder to move forward. So I ask myself, what can I do to help people? How can I give back? And I focus on those things. I've always admired your sense of adventure. I know that you are a like a talented climber and a surfer. And I, I, I remember hearing that. And, and when you went and you started surfing, had you had, had the people that you were going with, had, had you ever heard of or found any resources for surfing for people with disabilities? I reached out to several surf schools in California and they told me, we've never heard of a deafblind surfer. Then I found a school that said, we've never heard of a deafblind surfer, but let's try, let's find a way. 
So we had a lesson. He, the instructor was showing me all the different positions and techniques um, physically through touch. The whole experience, surfing is very physical. You're feeling the water. You're, you're feeling the vibrations through your feet on the surfboard. And I, I love the challenge of balancing on the surfboard while, while the power of the wave is pulsing through the surfboard. And then, Jack, you saw me skiing in Powder Mountain. I know. You were fantastic. And, and the reason I ask you this is because skiing and snowboarding and these flow state sports, they're some of my favorite feelings. And I'm really enjoying hearing you verbalize your experience. I'd love for you to tell us more. I was very lucky. I was introduced to skiing before I really understood what it was. I think I was six years old and my school's blind program took the blind kids skiing every year. So they took us out skiing before I could even ask myself, can a blind person ski? So I've been skiing since I was about six years old. And the way I do it is I hold hands with, with another skier and they signal through their hands, left, right, forward, stop. And then I do the rest of the movements by using balance and, and being aware of my feet. The lesson for everyone is oftentimes when we're feeling pain and beating ourselves up, we're focusing too much on just ourselves and not thinking about the people around us. The way to move forward is to think about how can you give back? How can you better serve your community? How do you make the ski programs accessible? What can you learn from adaptive skiers? I've encountered many, many access barriers. And for a lot of times, I would just tell myself, society says people with disabilities don't matter. So maybe I don't matter. Then there was a point in college where I was facing an access barrier every day, three times a day. The cafeteria at the college served a menu only in print. Sighted students could walk in, browse the print menu, then go to their station of choice. I asked the cafeteria manager to make the menu accessible. And he told me we have over a thousand students. We don't have time to do special things for students with special needs. I hate the term special needs. Everyone has needs. A lot of the world is designed to meet people with specific needs, non-disabled white men for the most part. And that's not fair. Everyone has needs and all needs should be met. Also, eating is not a special need. I did not know how to advocate at the time, so I just dealt with the situation and continued not having access to the menu, not knowing what was being served, even though I was paying to eat at the cafeteria. I was a vegetarian back then, and it was frustrating to have to wait in line for 20 minutes, get food, find a table, try the food, and discover an unpleasant surprise. But what could I do? I talked to friends, talked to advocates, and they reminded me it was my choice. It's our choice to accept unfairness or advocate for justice. I did some more research, then went back to the cafeteria manager and explained, 
The Americans with Disabilities Act prohibits discrimination against people with disabilities. And if you don't provide access to the menu, I'm going to take legal action. I had no idea how to do that back then. But I knew that I had to try. I had to do something. The next day, the manager promised to make the menus accessible. And he did. He started emailing the menus. Life became delicious. The next year, a new blind student came to the college and he had immediate access to the menus. That taught me that when I advocate, I help all the other people who come after me. That's when I started to look into law school and becoming an advocate for the entire disability community. Art of the Hustle will be right back after this short break. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, Rachel Zoe here, and we're going back to the Rachel Zoe Project for a very special takeover on my podcast, Climbing in Heels. Come along with me as I take you back to season one to give you all the behind-the-scenes details and, of course, drama. I'll be joined by some very special guests that'll be helping me break it all down. From award season nightmares to fashion week insanity, you'll get the real stories behind some of the most iconic moments in the show. The Rachel Zoe Project definitely changed my life and career in so many ways. The show definitely captured some of the most amazing moments, but also some of the absolute worst. I made the show for all the fashion lovers out there, and I'm so happy that people still watch it and love it so much. 
So do not miss this special takeover on climbing in heels. It's going to be bananas. Not believe I just said that. Listen to Climbing in Heels with Rachel Zoe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Do you have advice for people that are dedicating their themselves and their time to an issue that they really care about? How to be most effective? Connect with the communities you want to help. Nothing about us without us. If you are a man working on behalf of gender equality, work very closely with women and make sure you make room to amplify women's voices. So whatever community you strive to support, work with their leaders, work in partnership with all kinds of leaders. I find that our perceived weaknesses often become our greatest strengths. What sensitivities do you think develop in those with sight and sound disabilities that we all can learn from? It's also about the individual. So someone can be blind and decide not to take the time to learn braille and develop sensitivity in their fingers. Or maybe they don't read braille because they never had access to braille lessons when they were growing up or when they lost their sight later in life. So, Not everyone with a disability automatically gains a new sense or new super skill. They do have the potential to develop that new skill. They have the potential to be more aware of smells or more aware of touch. And if you take the time to develop it, you, Jeff, can also develop a heightened sense of smell or touch. These are things non-disabled people can do as well. It's just that when you lose one sense or two senses, you have more of an opportunity or more of an awareness that, hey, why don't you use these other senses, even though society downplays those senses? What are the organizations that we can support? What are the things that we can all do to be more inclusive and conscientious for our brothers and sisters that that have disabilities out there in the world? Start with your own organizations. So Jeff, with the podcast, add transcripts to provide more access for deaf individuals and to make it easier for your non-disabled viewers to be able to zoom in on a specific topic or specific idea that they want to really listeners of this podcast Try to increase hiring of people with disabilities in your organizations. A lot of hiring managers assume disabled people can't do the job without pausing to think, what are the alternative techniques? What are the different strategies disabled people have that maybe you didn't even know about? So think about all the different ways you can increase hiring within your organization for people with disabilities or make your content accessible. If you have websites and apps, design them to be accessible. There's the web content accessibility guidelines and for mobile apps, Apple and Android accessibility guidelines. And what are we gonna see from you? Are you gonna start your own foundation? Are you gonna run for public office? What's coming down the line for you? Accessibility is still a huge problem in the tech community. 
So many cool things are being developed without consideration for accessibility. Self-driving cars are gonna be amazing if they're accessible. The disabled population stands to gain the most from self-driving cars. And I'm worried they're not gonna be accessible to people who use wheelchairs or people who are blind. So I am going to continue advocating for accessibility so all products and services are accessible to people with disabilities. Well, I love that. I will join you in that fight. You have my support. No job too big, no job too small. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. And once again, I'm just very thankful that you joined us. Your book for the listeners was Hobbin, The Deafblind Woman Who Conquered Harvard Law. And again, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on the show, Jack. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rachel Zoe here, and we're going back to the Rachel Zoe Project for a very special takeover on my podcast, Climbing in Heels. Come with me as I take you back to season one to give you all the behind the scenes details and drama. I'll be joined by some special guests that'll be helping me share the real stories behind the most iconic moments in the show. So do not miss this special takeover of Climbing in Heels. It's going to be bananas. Listen to Climbing in Heels with Rachel Zoe on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts.